This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. It's a pleasure to bring you conversations from leaders from all walks of life. The reason it is important is there are two things I want to emphasize. One is the importance of winning big. You know, winning is fun, don't get me wrong, but winning big puts each one of us on the path to sustain long-term wins. And in this conversation, we are bringing you in a conversation with leaders from all walks of life because each one of us are different. Our starting point is different, our destinations are different, and that's the reason I am in the best seat in the house to learn from all these leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And in that particular spirit, today, it is truly an honor and a pleasure of mine to introduce to you and have an amazing conversation with Derek Derek Gaskins. Derek, I'll get into his detailed resume in a second, but you know, in a bigger picture, he's an experienced brand developer, a chief marketer, a merchant, and an innovator who has successfully launched numerous packaged goods, CRM, and retail brands and store formats to success. What is very important to look at is the versatile nature of this amazing leader. And you'll see how he has taken brands big and small across the finish line over and over again, which means there's only one question I want to ask Derek is, Derek, how do you do it? So Derek's most recently, he has been the chief marketing officer at Yesway. And before that, he has been the chief customer officer as Rutgers Convenience Store and Dairy Business, senior vice president of marketing and merchandising with Mid-Atlantic Convenience Stores. And again, I really would love to understand the impact from big brands to associations. Then also that takes me to the vice president of marketing with NACS, the Association of Convenience and Fuel Retailing. And also, he has been brand marketing for Giant Eagle. So, Derek, that's an amazing resume, my friend. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you so much. Um, certainly glad to be here and l- looking forward to our dialogue and going deeper with you and sharing some of the secrets and how I look to win big at things that I do. And certainly following the content that you've been sharing has been very inspirational and practical, frankly, to give good guidance and feedback and tips that all of us can use either personally and also professionally. Thank you. So I want to start right away with the big brands that I didn't mention in your bio is Nabisco Foods, Goldman Sachs, Procter Gamble. Because if only those three brands were on your resume, that itself would would have put you at a Michael Jordan level. Okay. And then there has been more. Because to me, I just want to understand at the very beginning, what are some of the big lessons working for those mega brands that has helped you in your journey beyond? Certainly. So I, I can share first and foremost, Nabisco was my first, what I would call real job, meaning straight out of college. Uh, I graduated from University of Iowa and I'm a Hawkeye. So graduated back in 94 and took a job that relocated me to Detroit. And I had a territory there that was my first indoctrination, frankly, to retail. Um, I was tasked with, at that time, curating the super center format, which now, pretty obvious what that is, whether it's Walmart or Meyer and some of those players. Back then, it was actually led by, um, of all brands, Kmart. And, and, and I often go back to that because they had the head start. They had the format. They allowed their competitors to surpass them. And as a sales executive, this was the glory days of when Snackwells first came out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the commercials on the brand side that were showing customers waiting at the back decks of some of the stores or the back docks to try to get these, you know, Snackwell, Devil's Food, chocolate cookies, or mm-hmm. Oreos, or Chips Ahoy. 
And I was that guy. I, I was going into Super Kmart, Super Walmarts, Targets, uh, Meyer grocery stores and selling into the store manager, general manager or director to build a display, to get more space for our brands, to capture the impulse shopper. And that, that was game changing. You know, all, although I had graduated from college with a finance major, I think this was my first time looking at brand management and thinking to myself, I actually would love to grow within a company and have the opportunity to set that strategy for the brand to follow. And that's how I ended up working for about three um, years there. And then knowing I wanted to go back to graduate school, went back to Northwestern really on a mission. And so when I went to Kellogg, um, knew that they were famous for marketing. It was a great path for brand managers to get into, but continued with my finance concentration as my primary major. And from there, um, upon graduation, I had an opportunity um, with Goldman Sachs and then with Procter and Gamble, which I often say that's where I received my PhD in marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, many of the things that I still use go back to that. And PNG was literally world-class. I mean, the, the, the word discipline would probably be the one that I would key on. No matter how big an idea is, that if you don't have the discipline and focus to distill it down and, you know, we would have to get our briefs to fit to one page. And, you know, I look back now to some of the big brands that we've seen the past couple of decades, things such as Febreze or Dryel that were new to the world breakthroughs or some of the future snacks that I was working on. I was in the food sector, so I had Pringles and Eagles and uh, Jekyll snacks and Tarangos and a bunch of products that were global or never saw the light of day. And what's what stuck with me was no matter how big it was, could be a potentially billion dollar plus brand, it fit on a one page document. Mm -hmm. And you would give the purpose and the background and the situational analysis and the key actions and next steps and milestones all in that paper. And then someone could sit and assess, you know, my work versus another brand manager who may have been working in Crest or in oral health or in beauty care. And that that has stayed with me. You know, one of the things that has guided my marketing growth has been a focus on simplicity. And I always think winning brands and winning partnerships uh, you know, Steve Jobs gets credit for this, but it actually goes back to Leonardo da Vinci, where simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. If you can distill things down to their core essence, and I've even likened it to saying, you know, if you can tell your grandmother in 15 words what you do, mm -hmm. uh, you understand it. That's your pitch. That's your distillation of a highly complex work process into something that anyone can understand. So that was one of those secrets that has, you know, frankly stuck with me and I'm passionate about it. And everyone that is part of my team or every organization that I have subsequently joined, that has been my core DNA. Love that. You know, I love, you know, the Kmart example that you gave at the very beginning. And, you know, I forgot that they were the curator of the super center. And to me, that goes back to when I play golf some of us had long drives, but a friend of mine told me it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive that matters. And that to me was huge. And what you talked about, the discipline to distill it down, could you give a little recap on, on a one pager? You don't have to go into the technical confidential part, but right now some big things that you normally put on a one pager. You talked about purpose, what else do you put on a one pager? Yeah, so I, I tend to start with the objective, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the highest level of um, goal and strategies and supporting tactics. So get that down to one sentence mm -hmm. or, you know, two concepts at most. Um, you know, some other companies may say, what's the problem you're trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to lead with that. Got then it. after that, I tend to go to either an overview mm -hmm. um, or background. So you give a little bit, a couple bullet points to provide context. Um, you know, others have had, then you get into actual, here's my recommendation. So mm -hmm. right up top, 
where a, a person knows, okay, here's what you are proposing. Got it. And then from there, I, I get into either situational analysis or key implications, other factors that are relevant, that are mm -hmm. part of it. And then to top level strategies, I really don't get into tactics on that document. That's more of, of the supporting plan. Got it. And then you want to get the key metrics and milestones so you can determine what does success look like. And then the last thing that I'll have would be next steps. And the next steps have to, of course, be much like SMART goals are, specific, measurable, achievable, um, relevant, and then time bound. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that you just all on that one page document and no, you can't cheat and use six point font. You want a person to be able to read it, but it forces you to do the work on the front end. I love that. And to me, what you literally did is took a whole MBA program and put it on one page. So to me, I really think that that synthesizing, and I really am glad I asked you that question. I also want to do a follow-up on simplicity because, you know, to me, the moment you talked about simplicity, you know, ultimate sophistication, you know, my head was not nodding till you got to Steve Jobs. And then my head was nodding like crazy because think before that, before iPhone, we all used to buy these phones which came with user manuals, which we never opened, but we had. iPhone exactly. dared to come out with a phone with no user manual. Like you're smart enough to use what you want. So for me, if you have to describe in three to five words, what is simplicity for dirt? Um, I, I would say for me, it's strive for excellence would mm -hmm. be the three words, right? Mm -hmm. That has been a family motto, a guiding light. And, you know, simply put, it is anything you do, do it to a standard of excellence that you would be proud of. And I think, you know, when you look at a thing such as retail, when you do little things well, you tend to do everything well. And mm -hmm. I think that differentiates winners. Um, so that's the simplicity, right? And everyone points to Apple or points to some of those winning brands and you nailed it. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at an iPad, you can give that to a senior citizen that's 80 plus. Yeah. You can give it to a toddler that's, you know, three to five years old. They'll figure it out. And, you know, through either the swiping or the motions, I mean, it's the most fascinating thing. And when you can distill the essence down and focus on making it easy to do business with you, mm -hmm. I think as a business person, that's how that comes to life. And I love what you said about when you do the little things right, when you do the little things well, you do everything well. And I also love the reference of grand, your grandmother, because you know, to me, with my grandmother, there was no BS, okay? If I couldn't, in 15 words, explain to her Yep. My head reacted because the smack was coming and that was a good smack. I still, you know, I'm very honored and flattered that because that to me was love and affection because I really think that that was such an amazing example. So Absolutely. I want to move from there to something which is very unique and which is a very difficult area to be successful is as the senior VP of marketing and merchandising with the mid-Atlantic convenience stores, okay? being the association that includes organizations of different sizes and different phases in their journey. So, you know, what was your key vision to move the association with their different brands, each trying to go in different phases to move them forward? Like what would be, what was your key thing, how you became so successful there? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we'll say listening skills. Mm -hmm. It sounds trite, but to understand who your consumer or customer is, you have to be a good listener and get feedback. And going back to what's the problem that you're trying to solve. So Nax, as an association during that time was at a crossroads. They had great membership engagement from large brands and were struggling with the smaller brands. And when you look at small format retail, that's still the case. There's a bifurcation. You know, there's 155,000 convenience stores in North America, 95,000 plus are owned by individuals. So how do you engage and get those individuals to see value? Mm -hmm. Then I think for the larger ones, even a large brand isn't big. You know, there isn't a Walmart within the small format retailing channel. 
you know, Walmart has 30 to 40% share of all food dollars. Um, you know, within the convenience channel, you could add up, you know, the top 200 brands and you're talking maybe 20% combined. That's 7-Eleven, Circle K, Yesway, Allstips, Rudders, Wawa, Sheets, all of us. Mm -hmm. So that gave me a unique role. And, you know, some of my views towards partnerships were born there. And one of the phrases of win with winners started to stick with me because what that meant was I was able to put on my Procter & Gamble hat or my Nabisco hat and say, when I was a CPG brand, I looked at retailers and, you know, I would cheat and focus on the big retailers, right? At, at P&G, when I was on the Pringles brand, Walmart had 30% of my business. So mm -hmm. if, if I didn't win with them, it would be a terrible year. <laughs> and so that also meant I may not have been focusing on other channels as much as I should have. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of natural. So then when I fast forwarded to my role with Nax, part of it was, can I champion their smaller retails and say, this is the future that mm -hmm. yeah, of course, Amazon and Walmart are the big brands or the big retail outlets to drive share. But, you know, Let's fast forward to right now. The winners through the pandemic, through COVID, have been local, small, formatted retailers, value-based retail, mm -hmm. and e-commerce. And the local and the value really is convenience stores, drug stores, small grocers, and dollar stores. Mm -hmm. That's who's growing. And so when you look at what Dollar Tree or Family Dollar is doing, or what Dollar General is doing, or certainly my company, Allsup's and Yesway, very successful in suburban and rural markets of connecting with the consumer. Mm -hmm. So Nax and my role there was really championing on behalf of these, it's all relative, right? You know, Wawa has a thousand stores, but compared to Walmart, they're really small. Mm -hmm. But Wawa wants attention and focus and will demand that from Coke, Pepsi, Hershey, P&G, Unilever, all of these brands. So I really wanted to democratize retail and get the larger brands to see the opportunity and partnering with the leadership for Nax and Hank Armour, who is the CEO there still, he's a visionary and Hank got this. He, he was a retailer prior. And so this was something that he wanted to push and then he wanted to make sure the brand became more mobile, digital, and we could provide best practices to retailers to win and that's what I set out to do. So focusing on the two constituents and saying with retailers, how can I make them better? Whether they're large companies, medium or small mom and pops. And mm -hmm. with suppliers, how can I get them to respect us as a channel and understand that the 155,000 stores that we have is a force and it's not going away. And if anything, if you don't take us seriously now in 10 years, you're going to be on a list of losers because you'll miss the opportunity. Absolutely brilliant. And to me, I think the way you started explaining, if ever you and I create a relationship, sir, that one line is so powerful. To understand, you have to be a great listener. Because think for a second, in the corporate world, we listen to respond. Okay? Yep. And, and to me, I think what, because I love the way you set the whole framework with that one sentence, because that sentence showed that you listen to everybody every time, like every person in the organization needed to feel the direct listen. To me, that was success. And I really feel that that concept itself set you up for success. So now let's move to the Derek who was initially at Navisco, evolving and growing, then gets his amazing MBA, very proud of you. Goldman Sachs, Procter Gamble, and now, you know, from Max, now he gets a big chance. Okay. Now he's working for Rutter's convenience store. Okay. So now you have more resources. So normally when I look at convenience stores, I look at success to me more about efficiency, better technology. A lot of it is created. Okay. And when I read about your background, I was totally fascinated because you the first thing you talk about is creating award-winning customer engagement programs that I even was thinking was, am I reading something wrong? Because I was so wowed by your accomplishments. So how did you get 
that in the culture of the organization to create this award-winning customer engagement program. Absolutely. So Rudders, first and foremost, is probably the best retail brand you've never heard of, right? Regional, small, mid-Atlantic-based player, uh, concentrated in York, Pennsylvania, around central Pennsylvania, northern Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. The dairy business, we were a supplier. So we sold into everyone from Wegmans to, to even Walmart <laughs> and local shops, and of course, through our own network of stores. Very successful family-owned and operated company with a third-generation CEO leader. Mm -hmm. And Scott Hartman, um, who was CEO, also was the first next chairman to represent a small retail banner. And Scott's a futurist, but one thing about him is he is an accountant. <laughs> and those things sound pretty disparate. But this, the main thing I learned from Scott was he is methodical to a fault. And he would force something that was called complex problem solving as a mm -hmm. discipline. So twice a year, we would solve or we would present the initiatives that we wanted to do and they would have a different flavor. So in the fall, it would be more things that you wanna execute, a reset, store remodels, I wanna build eight new stores in these regions and here's why the data to back it up. In the spring, it was more exploratory, experimental, you name it. And we would talk things like deliveries by drone. Mm -hmm. And you know, this was years wow. ago prior to it really being a thing. And it, it was a judgment-free zone. So you could put these, you know, kind of big lofty goals out there and start with the consumer and work backwards. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I brought to it is even down to my title. You know, it would have been easy to say I'm the chief marketing officer, but the message that chief customer officer sends is that the customer is who is really in charge. And if you don't understand the customer and listen and try to meet those needs, you'll be out of business. And so a lot of these award-winning platforms and engagement tools and vehicles were understanding what the customer's needs were, looking across verticals. So looking at someone like Starbucks and saying, look at the bet that they made on their app, on gift card as a primary means of payment, how they've become now a financial institution in some ways, that they're carrying billions of dollars that consumers such as us trust because we'll preload the gift card. And then we know we're gonna go in the store and use that. Mm -hmm. Well, when you start drilling down deeper, you started to see the, the brilliance of that, right? You have Visa and MasterCard with swipe fees charging you 2% plus for the luxury to you know, process those payments. And in the convenience industry, they're making more than retailers are. Starbucks solved for that. And yep. this was complex business problems. So you know, everyone sees an app. Everyone's like, oh yeah, they have mobile ordering and drive-throughs. Well, that's the very superficial surface view of it. What they really did was created a whole payment mechanism Mm -hmm. And that's what we did at Rudders. So whether it was ordering or, you know, adding more attributes to our app or uh, our food service program where it was complex, but the simplicity was manifest through the touch screens. All of these became attributes that we were giving to consumers and getting credit and becoming uh, quote unquote famous for these things and driving loyalty. So becoming their preferred brand. Why that mattered? We were competing in, in Pennsylvania where I would say is the most competitive retail market, certainly within the US, if not the world. Not only is Rudders from there, so is Wawa, so is Sheets, so is Giant Eagle, you know, so is Sunoco, Rite Aid. You have all of these brands that, you know, Turkey Hill that started there and were innovative and had these customer engagement facing tools. And here we were little old rudders competing and winning against many of those. So much so that, you know, to this day, we're still the only small formatted retailer to win international retailer of the year that's mm -hmm. based in the US. Wow. 
So one thing, you know, two things that fascinated me. One is, you know, I believe in life is nothing left to chance. And you being at Rutgers was, I feel, destiny because I think you started the conversation talking about discipline to distill things down. And Rutgers was all about discipline, but yes. at the same time thinking big. Like discipline, even though the founder, the third generation founder was an accountant, he still was open to bigger ideas. But the second part, I really have to push you back because you got me very depressed to make me realize that I banked with Starbucks. Like on an average, I keep 40 to $50 with these guys. <laughs> and now I'm really depressed because without once you said that, I realized they don't call it a gift card, but I'm effectively buying a prepaid gift card. You know, And it's like a lawyer who I prepay and they just bill me from the hours, like, you know, yeah. so I got a little depressed. So, but again, you know, I enjoy that cup of coffee. Thank you. Absolutely. So, and, you know, to me, there was one thing is all through, there's a lot of pride. And I want you to understand a little bit more about your pride. Today, when you go into Rutgers, you cannot think, okay, what's the first feeling you have when you walk into a Rutgers? You just don't, still don't work there. But what's the feeling that comes to your mind? Pride is a good word, honestly, because I sometimes feel like everywhere I've been, I still work for. <laughs> so even Rutgers, when I walk in, it is, um, you know, satisfaction, let's say, or mm -hmm. seeing a, seeing that a small challenger brand can win on a big stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was there, we hosted people from around the world no exaggeration we would have retailers coming from new zealand from australia from japan mm -hmm. and they would want to see our stores and the operations and what we do behind the scenes and while there they would also say hey can i go see a wawa royal farms or sheets and you know that sense of uh, pride and within pennsylvania for them to be able to see all of that in a pretty geographically dense footprint is something that you can't see anywhere else and how we all do food service makes everyone better mm -hmm. so it's it's healthy competition right and so you know i like to see wawa doing things on the global stage international stage i like to see sheets another pennsylvania strong brand mm -hmm. so that pride is real and, and I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because when i walk in you see team members that have been somewhere for 20 plus years, which yeah. almost goes against everything that you hear. You know, people say retail has turnover. You don't really keep good quality employees. Rudders is a family and it operates like a family still. And that brings me a lot of pride. And to me, I think, you know, if we take one thing from our conversation, which I really think the biggest surprise is that concept, because Rutgers being a family embraced you, and once the family embraces you, you're part of the family forever. And I'll give an example. When I started at Pizza Hut, my first chief operating officer, Pat Williams, okay, amazing man, mentor. Now Pat is retired. After all these years, if he goes back to any of the brands he has worked with, he starts from outside. If there's any cigarette butts, he'll pick them up. If he walks in, he'll clean a counter. He will even remove a plate or something somebody has left because the pride once you feel, it changes you forever and creates a lifetime connection. And I really think that is for all of us listening to the conversation is very important that we must feel that pride. We must feel that pride because that takes direct to a super direct level because you feel a lifetime ownership. Like that's the stock you're part of forever. So Derek, from there, I want to get to your current job. We all waited because we all want to know at ESA what you're doing. So yeah. to me is now, when you start going through, now you're playing at a much bigger level. Okay? Yeah. And not only that, the brand has been growing fast. So how do you make big wins, big changes in a brand which is bigger and growing fast? Like in a video game, now instead of level one, you're going to two, now you're going to level 15 all of a sudden. Exactly. What's the secret? I think that you touched on something in terms of destiny and it's tough to use that word, but it's almost my path seems, I, I couldn't have written it out better mm -hmm. because 
the experiences and everything that I've had in my history has led me to where I am. And so the main secrets are to be comfortable in uncertainty, mm -hmm. right? And early on, it was almost, I was more structured and disciplined and learning from the big companies, process specificity and why that matters. Why, when there are uncertain things, focus on what you control, get documentation, best practices. And then now you're creating a process and a legacy that if you leave, at least someone can come in, seize the reins and do it just as good, if not better than you. Mm -hmm. Now with Yesway, it's almost being a startup, very entrepreneurial. We have a visionary CEO. And I remember the first time I had a conversation with him, I almost left that conversation feeling like, I don't know if he's pulling my leg or not. Like, is this real? It sounds too good to be true. You know, here you have someone saying, I'm going to put together a multi-billion dollar company. And in two, three years, I'm going to have, you know, 400 plus stores. And, you know, I want to work with you as subject matter expert on merchandising, marketing, loyalty, all of these things. I already have the financing. Let's go. You know, and I'm sitting there asking him a series of questions because I've, at that point, I've worked with the association. I've literally traveled the world. I felt like I've known every retailer that's out there doing something just through study or observation or interest or trying to copy some of the things that they're doing. And I never heard of them. And so I'm like, who is Brookwood and who is Yesway and what is this about? And Tom Turkle, I mean, he's a visionary. And everything he said, we were well capitalized, we were private equity funded. And, you know, he was ready to go. And when I look back at the two and a half years that I've been here, when I started, we were about 40 stores. Now we're, you know, 420 plus and growing. Um, you know, we have been able to change things at a pace that retail is fast in general, right? I always say the biggest transitions that I made from Nabisco or Goldman Sachs or PNG to retail with speed. The mm -hmm. things at PG that I thought would take six months, you get into a retail and it might be six weeks or maybe even less. Well, this is that even on steroids. It's it's much quicker that you know we can target something and say, hey, I'm looking to make an acquisition. And you know, three months later, we've acquired the stores, have remodeled crews in there, rebranding the stores, and my merchandising team is working on changing and optimizing the assortment and introducing private label, our loyalty program, food service, and all of the things that are pillars of the brands that we manage. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, it's marrying that spirit of entrepreneurialism with structure and discipline mm -hmm. and being focused. And you know, one of the key uh, phrases that I use here, it focuses on simplicity, but it's simplify and amplify. And my challenge to my team has been, we can't do everything, that your list will can be as long as you choose to like it. But if you focus on fewer things that will deliver a much larger profound impact, uh -huh. that's how we win. So simplify and amplify on the things that really matter. And some may say it's you know back to basics or the fundamentals or those kinds of things and it's all of that but it's also understanding that profitability matters and you want to be able to look across initiatives in a more quantitative fair manner and then focus up accordingly right i could spend my same time doing things i'll also say you know don't spend dollars chasing pennies i'd rather spend pennies chasing dollars focusing on a fewer, bigger initiatives that are galvanizing and brand and game changing for us. And that's what Yesway has done. Love that. Three things that jump out are, and I'll go backwards. I love this line, don't change dollars, spending pennies. Okay. So that's brilliant. I also love what he talked about is simplify and amplify on things that really matter. But what hit me very hard was the sentence when the statement that your founder, CEO, had talked to you about. His name is Tom? Yeah, Tom, Tom Turkler. Tom Tur so think about how powerful it is. This is a man who had a vision, who had a plan, 
who guarded the resources and then he found you and other best talent to get there. Like he had a roadmap, he had the pieces. And then he was brave enough to say those two words or three words, let's go. Yep. I really think that many a time we don't have all the pieces or even if we have, we are not committed. And I really feel that when I start looking at your career, I really think that everything was happened, meant to happen at the right place because I really see that amazing structure of how you have evolved and how you have taken discipline and entrepreneurialism in this current job. So this is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. So now Derek, changing the subject totally. If Derek did not get into marketing, into C-store branding, anything, where do you think you would have liked to be in life? Any other you know, areas you would have flourished or would have had a passion about? Yeah, I mean, so I, I would definitely say that the trans, transition into convenience marketing, to your point, completely random, right? If you would have asked me 20, 30 years ago, would have never seen that coming. I was an actuarial science major when I went off to school. So talk about a totally different world. Um, so I that is your finance undergrad. <laughs> yes. Now, you know, I, I would say some form of engineering or, mm-hmm. you know, certainly some area of finance would have been an area that I would have seen myself going into and are thriving. One thing that I have, um, you know, come to find out that I'm really passionate and I love to do is problem mm-hmm. solving. And I think that engineers are the best problem solvers. And, you know, whether you look at the human condition and the change we've made through history, mm-hmm. it's been led and driven by engineering. Um, I could think back to being a, a, a child and, you know, everyone wants to be a fireman and then maybe an astronaut or something along those lines. I had those same kinds of dreams, but why I think that resonated was it was a spirit of adventure and problem solving, which are two things that I can do now in the convenience store world. It doesn't seem like it, but every day is different. My knowledge base is now so broad. You know, there's 28 inside sales categories and I have to be almost an expert at all of them. So whether it's food service, I know food service like a restaurateur with no food service and food safety and training and everything that goes along with that. To your point, loyalty, digital marketing, social media, mobility and mobile, every best practices you know, that are part of that realm, mm-hmm. I have become proficient and studying and passionate about merchandising, category management, the systems, price book and the discipline that's needed for you know, scanning a product in the store and how it then flows through the system to hit the general ledger and your P&L, that's what retail allows you to do is have such a broader um, platform. So that's the beauty of it. Hmm. And then the pace, it, it's, it's just never a dull moment, never a slow moment, and every day is different. So to me, my take from what you shared is if Derek was not in C-Stores, as a leader, he would have been a passionate problem solver in a very rapidly changing business. Okay? And when you talk about engineering, my undergrad is in aerospace engineering. And of course, oh, wow. when people ask me now what you're doing here, I just remind them, this is a cliche, this is not my statement, has been heard, hearing that over and over again, is every aircraft every day doesn't have to take off. But when it lands, it really must land safely. And to me, I talk about just like the same way is we don't need to have ideas. But if you have an idea, it needs to land on the customer's heart. Otherwise, it really is, you know, you and I talking to ourselves. And as you talked about, I'm going to use this, giving you credit is do not chase, spend dollars chasing pennies. Yep. You're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Derek Gaskins a fascinating problem solver, okay? Initially, I was looking at him to be a brand developer, but this is a man who's passionate about solving problem and what I love about his discipline, his structure, and how he is always evolving. And he's an innovator who has launched, you know, who has had big success in packaged goods, CRM and retail brands and store formats, very fascinating human being. But discipline is such a big part of Derek's success. 
So Derek, this last section is for attention deficit folks like you and me. Uh -oh. okay. So rapid questions, three to seven word answers. Are you ready? Okay. Ready, so first, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So first, let's go beyond C-Store marketing. You're a leader. Okay. What will be your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? Three to five words, please. Feedback is a gift. Sometimes it's the gift that keeps on giving, but feedback is a gift and everything that that means. And I connect it to what you said before is to understand you have to be a great listener. I put both of those together. Amazing insight. How do you define a big win, my friend? Big wins have to be mutual, right? So to me, when it's, you know, if it's solo, it's a win. A big win means strength in numbers or whatever, you know, parable win-win or having multiple stakeholders and everyone's perception is that we won. That's a big win. Love that. Big win is mutual and strength in numbers. Love that. What's one reason businesses fail to win big? Arrogance and ego. Um, you know, some people say group think, but I subscribe a lot of that to ego. I love that. And of course, I'm going to ask this question out of the blue. If you could go back in time and do one thing that would have kept Kmart alive, what would have been the one thing you would do? I, I would have spent money. I, I would have gone into the uncertain situations that Kmart was and pushed that winning concept out. They stayed in a very tight geographic market mm -hmm. and that allowed competitors to the West and to the South of them to grow while they stagnated. And then by the time they looked to grow, it's too late. Yeah. They had amazing concepts, even the blue light special. If I tell anybody they're right, it's like some brilliant concepts they had. It was excitement, brilliant. Yes. So most leaders rule out some obstacles in their mind. You know, top athletes I worked with, they removed the word no from their dictionary. What's the word not in their dictionary? Can't okay. and, or, or cannot, cannot. You know, be a proper term. But that's a word that I hate hearing. And, you know, as a marketer, I always say that the solution is you have to find it. Mm -hmm. And you, if you go in with a closed mindset of can't or cannot, or, you know, no one has done it prior, then it's going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. And if you go with an open spirit in mind and marketing, that's my role. I look at it as we support the stores or we support the brand and we support the consumer. So you have to find a way or make one. And I would give a little shout out to a person. Yesterday was her birthday. Her name is Deborah Topsick. When I was at Papa John's, being an established company, there was the fair share, just like in every company of people, anytime there's an idea, they'll tell you the 50 reasons you cannot. Exactly. And then I met this kiddo, okay. Deborah Topsick, day one, Deborah walks in and says, my name is Deborah Topsick, opposite of Bottomwell. And I will be so amazing at the end of this internship, you will offer me a full employment. And I did find her and argue and negotiate with her. That's Deborah's awesome. brilliance was in any situation, if we decided to go forward, she would find the one reason, one way to take that step forward. And that was a good contagious problem. Like that high energy from this kid with a big smile made rest of us so-called passive people say, wow, this kid can do it. And I think that was such an amazing answer. And I extended, like broke the three to five rules, but I had to talk about Deborah Topsick, an amazing favorite person of mine. Love that. So if Derek could go back to Derek in 1980s okay, and give one advice to that young kiddo, what would that advice be? Um, lifelong learner, just... Don't look at it as a means to an end or there's a finish line. You never stop learning, never stop growing. It's never too late, right? You know, those are things that now that I look back when I was younger, everything was so frenetic and mm -hmm. right. Before I'm 30, I would need an MBA and I need to work at this company and do this and do that. Whose clock was I on, right? I mean, all of that is self-enforced. So I, I think never stop learning and just realizing that it's a journey. Take your time. Love that. 
Sverik, I've also found that talking to leaders like you, especially somebody like you who has so much discipline, success is planned. With you, success is never random, okay? Because I really feel that that is the best success because that success can be repeated. You know, is there a process Derek has, like the first thing you do or the last thing when you wake up or the last thing in your work day that you want to share that we would all learn from? Yeah, um, you know, certainly I think you have to look holistically, right? So I, I, I have that purpose, I have that faith, I have my spirituality. And so praying is something that, you know, I would never sit here and say, while I am in, you know, the captain of my fate and my soul, I also understand that there's a higher power and I have faith and belief and a command that allows me to, you know, follow, um, you know, God's wisdom, lead grace, comfort, and get strength from that. Mm -hmm. So I do start prayer and it's can be while you're still in bed laying there and, you know, in the night, the same thing, you know, I, I, I joke and say that my grandmother's prayers, certainly my mother's prayers and my father's prayers, are still protecting me today. And I like to, you know, do that for my kids, my friends, my family, my network, everyone. And then beyond that, I, I would say to your point, it's around habits and rituals. So, you know, some may meditate. I, I want to work out. Um, you know, I strive to work out every day. You know, there's been a little phrase that I use of active body, active mind. If I don't physically work out, I actually feel sick. I, I feel like I've missed something. It could be as simple as push-ups on the floor to start my day. That gets me going. Um, I would say the last thing, and this one is just one that I learned early on, was be responsive. And you know, my team, I understand that they may send an email and if I don't address it, answer it, respond to it, even if the response is, hey, I got your message. I'm not ready to get back to you yet, but I will next week, next month. Not answering is unacceptable. So, you know, I'm I'm almost one of those guys who tries to have the empty inbox by mm -hmm. end of day and having structured time where I can go through the call log and, you know, in the morning, write down your to-do list and strike some things off that sticks with me and having that goal orientation and finishing things, even if it's sending an email or responding to an email or answering a text or making that call, it's important and don't let those things slip. I love that. And I'm so glad I asked that question. And I really like the openness with which you shared both your personal, your spirituality and your faith and belief and also the process side, because I really think that it's both together give us an idea about Derek, the human being. And to me, that's a very important thing. I've heard from a lot of leaders, whatever their faith is, to appreciate being in that given that opportunity, given the resources to make an impact. I really think that humility makes us appreciate, and it's great to hear that from you. Derek, you know, we could, of course, have a conversation for another two hours. You are such an amazing human being. So anything else you want to share before we bring this to a close? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think that you have put your finger on the pulse of something that is needed. And in the troubling times that we all occupy, that spirit of optimism and hope and sharing mm -hmm. is necessary. And I think, you know, one thing that each of us can do is that the word secrets, right? Let's not keep things secret. Let's reach back to the younger generation, those who are following in our footsteps. You know, I've lived my life very purposely to be a breakthrough person. And if you're the first to do things, I wanna make sure that I empower those who come after mm -hmm. so their road and journey is easier. And, you know, if it's your family, your community, your neighborhood, I think that spirit of humanity and altruism mm -hmm. is something that is missing or there's not enough of. It's not quite missing, but there's not enough of. And if each of us in our day-to-day -day can always remember that everyone is struggling and challenging, has things in their lives that they're dealing with, that they're trying to win or trying to get through, that empathy 
will serve us very well. So thank you. And I think that is such a big challenge right now because things are tough. And a lot of us are going through very difficult times. But I really think what you talked about, if each one of us every day, just reach out to one person. Yep. And I would just literally put a megaphone on two things you just said. One is empathy, you know, reaching out by saying, buddy, how are you? And second is, what can I do for you? Because to me, I really think that will be such an important thing because we all can use a little help. It's tough to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And that's the part where sharing, I think, becomes really huge in this current times. And I really appreciate you putting in this bigger, broader picture. So this was such a fascinating concept and discussion. And a few things that really hit home to me is if there's one word I'm taking from this, is lifetime pride. Okay, It's not one word, but still lifetime pride. Is pride is not you engage and you disengage. You feel forever. And that's the reason I really think any brand we work with, we really must realize that we will be connected forever to yeah. be, because that would be there on your resume forever. So let's act with that forever pride. And that was an amazing gift from you. You also talked about the discipline to distill it down and you just went to the micro level. Literally, you took an MBA program and put it on one page. You even told me what not to put. That I really loved because I do great when people tell me what not to do. So that was brilliant. You also talked about how to start working with multiple stakeholders. Understand that you have to start being a great listener and then you have to make every person win. You show value for everyone. And that is very important. Another part that was very important in this discussion and conversation was the focus on simplicity. And you also talked about simplify and amplify on the things that really matter. And what is very fascinating is, you know, listening to one of the top golfers, he told me the day he plays the best, he knows at any point of time, the only one thing he's supposed to do. He said, Arjun, when I walk, I only walk. When I chew my gum, I feel every part of chewing my gum. And that kind of a focus and amplifying that present is huge. And then finally, I really love that concept of let's go because a leader creates the path, gets people excited, puts the part, but that is what we look for in the right. If you came to me and say, Arjun, are you ready? Yes, sir. Arjun. Maybe we should go today. Oh, let's do tomorrow. I'm like, come on, man. I'm <laughs> no, come ready. On. Right, let's go. That, yeah, that's let's go to me is one of these big highlights. Let's go. And that pride, lifetime pride, are two of the biggest gifts you gave us. Thank you again, Derek. This is fascinating. Arjun, thank you so much. Um, I had a great time. So much appreciated. And thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. It's truly a pleasure, and I always look forward to getting you the next amazing conversation with another leader from another walk of life in another part of the world. Please subscribe, share, and review the podcast with your friends, and you can find all the podcasts at www.secretstowinbig.com. And remember, winning is fun, but winning big puts us on the path to sustain long-term wins, just like Derek Gaskins is. Thank you again. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.